everyone you know. This is the key to your weekend. You're listening to Three Grams and a Mic podcast live from Australia. A new perspective on professional sports with your hosts, Cal, Axel, and Cotto. Click, listen, and enjoy. Good afternoon. I'm Graham Cotton, and welcome to the Three Grams and a Mic podcast. I'm joined by co-hosts Graham Kelly and Graham Foley. Welcome, Axel. Welcome, Kel. Gentlemen, how are you this afternoon? I got a bit of I got a bit of feedback uh, during the week on Facebook. Most of them saying, "Were you nervous or pissed?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm not real sure which. Um, anyway, uh, we had a request also from uh, one of our listeners, McKaylee, uh, who wanted to know a, a little bit more about Formula One, and I can report that. Driver Sergio Perez returns to the grid this week in Barcelona after having some weeks off with uh, the coronavirus. Other teams are a bit perplexed about how he came across um, the coronavirus and how he contracted it and alleged that he was seen to be with fans and sponsors at restaurants and, and the like. Similar behaviour to other codes, I guess. How is he back so quick? It's been about two weeks, isn't it? Two weeks. Yeah. And uh, since he contracted it, so he's had that okay. So and his response, I think, to those uh, rules were uh, shameful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he came out pretty. Yeah. Yeah. How many Formula One drivers have died? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> and none of them have coronavirus. <laughs> I reckon there'll yeah. be a few NRL clubs chasing him with <laughs> that sort of mentality. <laughs> Another breaking news uh, in the NBA: they, they're winding uh, roads finally. Uh, reached the 2020 playoffs and um, early favourites uh, in the Eastern Conference at least are the Raptors, who won it with uh, Kawhi Leonard um, last year. And in the Western Conference is the Clippers, who is happens to be the team that Kawhi Leonard's with this year. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. They've uh, been no major incidents in uh, Orlando or f- uh, Florida, no. sorry. No major incidents. No major. Apart from a few minor ones. Headbutts and <laughs> whatever else is going on. Yeah, so anyway, they, they scrape through. That'll be a big win for the Raptors if they can get up. They make it, yeah. yeah. No, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, the NBA Foundation also created uh, $300 million in pledges and they're gearing to a, a black growth movement. Uh, the league said the charity would be public and the foundation would work to deepen the NBA's family commitment to racial equality and social justice, which is obviously very uh, current. And um, and given uh, the next topic, which is around uh, racial abuse here in Australia of a, a Penrith player, Brent Naden, um, it's probably you know, relevant across the world uh, that we address these matters and, and make change, I guess, for our society. And it's starting to or at least gain momentum. It probably is always, a, there seems to be a momentum I always find, but there's n- not enough implementation of the change. It's a, it's a slow burn. I mean, this has been going on forever. I mean, seriously, 150 years ago, women didn't have to vote, so it takes time. You look what Martin Luther King did That's back in the 50s. It takes time. I'm not saying we shouldn't be trying to speed it up, but it is changing. It is happening. There's a um, American or African American woman running for vice president. Yeah, of the along US. with Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah, we've had Obama in office, so 
Absolutely. Everywhere it's seen in society, we should be staring down on... What's Quali- her name, Graham? Quali- Kamala. Uh, Kamala Harris. There you go. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to believe that that happened, to be honest. It does take time, but the amount of media coverage in the past couple of years, particularly in sport, and you can get uh, Adam Goods and uh, Harry O'Brien and you know, the, the number of um, individuals that have come forward issues in the football field from fans you name it um, where I, I was a bit shocked when I saw that because it's it doesn't sound like an issue that gets Brent and I don't know whether Brent it'll ever get to the Brent, Maiden, the Brent Maiden oh my word that, that's I mean it was only weeks ago the whole Nicky Winmar thing was up again up, up in lights again and the last week was Indigenous found in the NRL <laughs> you know it's only a week ago so the, the only way they can make a change, truthfully, in sport is to, and I think it was, uh, if you listen back, um, it was a half hour, uh, about, uh, not half hour, about uh, a five minutes um, presentation today, a conference with um, the COL, uh, sorry, the NRL CEO, um, Andrew Agbo, and he spoke about it really, really elegantly, I felt, and he's basically just said, we're not going to tolerate it, they'll never be allowed back. And they ident- uh, sort of called out those people and they've uh, um, swollen thanked Brent Maiden, thanked the crowd for getting here, thanked their media partners. Through all those people, they were actually able to target who they were by injecting they will be, I, I believe they'll be charged. So You'd have know. to have the evidence, I guess. And witnesses well, there's enough witnesses there, yeah. Not yeah. Really for the crowd. I mean, you're hoping there's a, you know, such a small minority, maybe yeah. I think the majority of supporters will go to games and quite respect it, but if the... There's five always or ten idiots that have had a few beers or whatever it's there, then they they just drop it. I always do, do. You think sport can get rid of it, Graham? It's a, it's a deeper problem. It's a societal problem. So unless you're going to cut that out at home, unless babies are brought up in homes that say this is bad, don't do it, and they'll kick you around the ears if you do, then. Those people are going to grow up with those attitudes and take them to the footy, to the workplace, to wherever they want to go. Yeah, and it will take time. You're yeah, right. so you can't just call yeah. it. It's, um, so the league's right to knock it, but I don't think the league can do it on their own. No, I don't believe they can do it on their own either. I was just about to say that. I, I think they sh- can do it, but as part of a much broader movement, for sure. And they should keep stamping it out, sending it away, get rid of them for life, never allow them back, and that should start. Uh, if you go to the footy, you should realise that you can't continue to do that. I mean, have you been to the football with your wife and kids and had someone standing behind you and letting go of the F-bombs left, right and centre and think to yourself, hey, mate, I don't want to get into a fight. Hey, mate, you know, irrespective of what my wife and kids are. You're obviously sitting in the wrong section of the country. <laughs> 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 oh, sorry. Oh, oh, Collingwood <laughs> supporter. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm thinking that I'm not in the uh, the private box that you're in. That's what I'm thinking. That's more likely. Oh, dear. Um, in other news in the NRL, the Storm, uh, the Melbourne Storm uh, ha- are and could be investigated and facing a fine for fielding 14 players on the yeah. field. You know who the 14th player was? Valerie. The umpire, J- Jared it? Sutton. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, we were waiting for it. Uh, apparently, uh, it was revealed in the Sydney Morning Herald. Interestingly, that no one else picked it up in the 
the whole coverage. No one picked it up on the sideline. You have an NRL official on the sideline. Not even Graham Kelly did it. Though. Graham Kelly, did you know about it watching the game? No, I might have been ranting at the <laughs> time it actually <laughs> happened. But you were a bit foggy. <laughs> Oh, that's uh, great. Apparently, <laughs> I, I hope it was preempted news from the storm. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe the. Maybe I wouldn't be surprised to find out Bellamy's cheat sheet. Before I think the touchy might have actually encouraged him to run back on <laughs> to help out. But Vanavalu was injured or something, and then he um, saw a, a break midway through, but he was actually replaced and ran back onto the field to make a tackle. Unbelievable. Well, I think I sent you guys a text that was saying I didn't know whether 502 was the. Um, Cricket or the, the football because of what was the score at that point? 24 <laughs> nil or something like that. None yeah, for 24. That, that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, just Big mean storm. On, on, on a serious note, though, the Roosters, so many injuries, they we, we were should make the four, but they may not. I, d- I don't think they'll make the four for me. Mm, wow. Um, Cleary out for probably four weeks, do you think? Mm. Uh, Boyd Gordon is still a couple of weeks. Yeah, away. Obviously, Radley as well is going for the season. Lamb's now out injured. Lamb's eight else. weeks, so yeah. that's the end of his season. Um, Have we got any tissues? Crying to your hat, mate, because we're not <laughs> helping you. <laughs> the big question is, does Robinson give Orbison a game in the grand finals to break the club games record? Well, he's out injured too, isn't he? He is. Yeah. So whether he can get back and... Oh, he did one that. game short. He did that in the grand finals with his name. My name in the grand finals. Yeah, Cronk. 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 Yeah. yeah, he brought the team back straight back in. Yeah, no, I think he would. Yeah, set the precedent. Big risk, but I think he would. Um, Robinson and I'll say we're talking about Robinson. So Robinson and Storm counterpart Craig Bellamy both suggested the new six again rule is contributing to a mounting injury toll uh, with players under increased fatigue due to less stoppages in play. NRL physio Brian Sweeney also wrote on Twitter that major injuries that require five-plus weeks' recovery time have increased uh, this season, uh, about 60% on 2018. So that probably indicates there is an issue. Oh, I'd have to agree with that, definitely. Wh- which is interesting because a lot of sports, are l- well, certainly of Australian contact sports, are trying to reintroduce fatigue. AFL is doing the same thing, trying to... <coughs> Beat the congestion problem, um, but are we only travelling greater evils by yeah, doing that? I think I, I mentioned we off um, well when we were doing our preparation for this way back when. I mentioned that um, you know because of the rush to put it through, no teams was really able to prepare for it. It's only had, I think we had a six week window, and that's just not enough time. It's like if you're going from being a rugby league player to playing AFL. Lots more running. It's just going to have more and more leg injuries, more and more. And, you know, I just think that's part of the problem. That's maybe yeah, it's maybe the, only way yeah, the only way around that shouldn't be to have the interest. Like, you're, you're yeah. limited to I, I 12. I, I reckon there's an actually have 20 and you, you have a really fit game, and that's what they're after, right? Fit game, more points. Um, Alternatively, you could have two teams and... One runs on when they're attacking, and one runs on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just think no, I, I actually reckon there's another problem that's hidden there, and it's like the Roosters aren't winning. No, the one ref. Is that right? Because I, 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 the players, the, the, there hasn't been a game this year where the defending team has been onside or even close to onside. 
they've been on about this all year. They, they've been getting they getting out of the line so fast. So what that means is they're hitting them harder, faster, sooner. So it's six again. Maybe we need to do a five. It's all about a, 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 that, that's effectively what's happened. Oh, we might. So you've got these monsters landing on each other a lot quicker. So you've sped up. Well, you've given the teams the ball more often if there's an infringement in the ruck, but you're actually letting the, the rest team the get up and bash the, yeah. the given daylights out. Oh, uh, it'd be interesting. This is a uh, homework for you for next week, Dave. Is Graham Kelly? Kelly. Kel. Kel. <laughs> I keep doing that. I don't <laughs> know why. I don't, I don't uh, Kel, um, you might want to look at how many penalties have been conceded in how many of the games this year compared to last year. And let's just see. Well, I reckon there'd be less. Well, there's certainly uh, uh, late you including the. Well, you could probably we could probably throw that as a spanner in the works, but I think that's not a penalty. Well, it w- but it was previously. Yeah. Yes, that's right. So, so yeah. there'd have to be. I think if you're not counting that. Assuming well, you can get that stat. Yeah, yeah. You're, I, I haven't been able to find it. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I saw it again today. <laughs> well, it happens so damn fast in the game. It's hard yeah. to c- keep, keep track on the... Like, unless the TV put it on the screen, you don't even know yep. what's happening. You get it's a late. Listen for that. Cowbell or whatever. Every, everyone was taken off out their front door <laughs> the first few weeks. They, <laughs> they thought there was a fire in the house with that alarm they put off. Uh, dear. I'm sure you would have been, but you it wasn't for that reason. It was just rage when the <laughs> Roosters weren't winning the game. So, uh, yeah, I would agree. It's probably definitely contributed to the injury rate. Yeah. Away from the AFL. Think of it. So, in AFL, Adelaide has joined Perth and Brisbane by officially throwing its hat in the ring to host this year's grand final. So, a three-way race, perhaps. I don't get it. I'd say they'd be uh, third cabot the rank. Just because the Victorians hate South yeah, Australians so right. much. Yeah. Well, well uh, Port Adelaide will go make it. It might be a last three years. No, last three. Yeah, they got touch up. Geelong. Geelong. So Perth's got the stadium, so if it's going to be about stadium with a crowd, it'll probably be there. Infiltration into another code might be Brisbane. Yep, that'd be the two choices, I reckon. Give it to Tasmania. They won't <laughs> give them. A, they won't <laughs> give them a team, but give them a grand final. Yeah, can't have Hawthorne <laughs> either. <laughs> Um, so, Axel, there's other controversy this week in a game between Essendon and Gold Coast on the weekend. Yeah, it's a bit more of a, a rule misinterpreted by the uh, referee in the in the umpire. Oh, the I was going to correct you on that. I thought that happened. The time keeper there, uh, the free kick awarded, I think, to Essendon at the end of the third quarter of their game. And um, there was uh, time blown off by the, the umpire. When the ball was given to the, the Essendon player having kicked the goal and didn't play time back on, so the quarter went for another thirty odd seconds, and that the Gold Coast actually kicked the goal, and then they gave them a, a, the game without the ball. So mm. yes, so Essendon not having a happy ending. I saw I saw a headline where the same thing happened to Essendon and went to court. Yeah, yeah, I don't don't remember what the score of the previous game was. But well, that's uh, controversial. Yeah. <laughs> Two in a row. And they've just lost probably Australia and David Zariakis to the youth ball. So yeah. they're, uh, they're in a world of hurt Essendon, aren't they? So Cats but dominated last night, ag- uh, I believe, against Port Adelaide. Tom Hawkins. Tom Hawkins five, had six yeah. on, on the back of five the week before. Yep. So they're flying at the moment. Their, their mids are doing really well as well. And their backs are 
pretty much been consistent for a long, long time, hasn't it? It has been seen for the last couple of years to unit. We just haven't clicked. Um, but, yeah, they seem to be playing really well at the moment. And, um, yeah, you'd have to say, you know, I think a couple of teams you put Richmond in there still, I think, because they've won the last couple of games. Yeah, they've got the bones. They've got the offensive moves for it. You, you put Brisbane in there purely because of, you know, how well Lockie Moore's playing and Sydney Crowbar, who's a bloody good club now. Yeah. Um, and they've got quite a number of games still um, with Cowboys Queensland. So that that rules out too. Um, yeah, they've got the talent, I think, and um, and the guts. I think Port Adelaide, yeah, there's a there's a question mark in the last in the last of that that division. What about the impact of a draw? I read somewhere during the week the draw for a lot of these teams, and Collingwood's one of the ones that have been really disadvantaged. No offence. <laughs> no, no, no. In which way? No, no, but it's yeah, the amount of travel and the d- and the d- the gaps between the travel. So, I, I I'm not going. I can't remember all the teams, but there was a lot of travel yes. for the Collingwood compared to some that that may be going well now. As opposed to the advantage you normally get from that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that. No, no, it's all we're all well I, adjusted. I it? would say all the Melbourne sides are at a disadvantage with their division could, compared to Brisbane. Gold Coast, two Perth two, sides. Yeah, two, you know, yes, two West Australian sides. West Coast really struggled in the first part of the year because they were based in the state, and that just shows that when you're on your home ground at home, yeah. um, it's a huge advantage. Yeah, you so sleep in your own bed, perhaps. Yeah. So, and West Coast is obviously the only one left out of that because, yeah, that that have to be the first round. Of, of well, it does teams. seem to be these runs too, which probably was what I was thinking about with the travel. You know, maybe they go on three weeks run when they're more. Um, Stable in their travel, yeah. and when they have to do those long trips back to back or whatever, and you see these dips because you know there's some teams are going up and down and up and down. Yeah, well competition I alone. Th- for way. one of the Melbourne sides to win it, I think would be a huge advantage. Yeah. Geelong are certainly showing some form at yeah. the moment. Still a long way to go though. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but five, six, six games are they? Five games? Yeah. Six, six for six games for some and five for others. I think. It's, yeah. it's all going to be back to back too. They've kind of released the final fixture, and you know the Bulls are. When you say back to back, what do you mean by that? The the footy fest continues for every day they do a game. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's what I mean. So, has there been in many injuries in? Ah, uh, there's right? been a few, but the the AFL have really tried to manage it by less shortened quarters, yeah. uh, longer breaks at quarter time, three quarter time, half time. Yeah. Um, Talk so about load management. Yeah, but the, the the shorter quarters has really been interesting in terms of talk about changing from league with the six again not having time to get ready for it. The shrinking of the quarters was huge yeah. in the NFL. Actually, you mentioned to me though that that's actually had a disadvantage at some teams because they haven't been able to stamp their authority in the back in yeah. the, the quarters. Fit, the fit that, teams. That, yeah, yeah, Hawthorne were that Tom Scully and uh, coming in to to play those the helter skelter teams. Couldn't just go helter skelter even faster, but yeah. So it's probably similar to the NRL where they haven't been able to prepare for this either. It seems it's you know it's brought the weaker teams probably closer together, which is good for a little while. But you know for those teams that should be flying, like the Pies, <laughs> they're not at the moment. So they've got Tenderville today. Yeah, um, but they they need to win this they 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 desperate. Need to yeah, play tonight today. Recording this Saturday night. I think they play tonight. Um, Arsenal in Australian oh soccer or football, um, Premier League in England. Uh, Arsenal have confirmed the fee transfer signing of Chelsea winger 
Galang, a woman, um, 32-year-old has signed a three-year deal with the Gunners Weekly worth, wait for it, $400,000 Australian per week. Crazy money. Interesting. Where do you think that fits in in the scheme of highest paid yeah, soccer players in the world? Yeah, I was going to say. Have you done research? Have you done? Only 400. Axel's done some researching. It's a book you. I estimate that that's probably around 32, 33 million pounds per year. Per year, yeah. So if I look at, um, so this is from 2019, number one highest paid player was. How did he come up with the 32 million? 32 million pounds. Year? 32 million pounds a year. He's getting two kids from your week. Well, how many weeks would you getting that for? Well, if every week. week. If it was a full 52. <laughs> is it 52, though? <laughs> Debatable, that, every week. <laughs> so. <laughs> Battle of the accountants, <laughs> you guys. Before <laughs> I was rudely interrupted. <laughs> Lionel Messi, uh, number one. <laughs> I'm watching Craig's head turning over. I can hear it. If he got paid for 52 <laughs> weeks, in five weeks he's made a million. Right? So how many would he make? 10 million. 10 million. So how has he got the 32 <laughs> million? So that, that's well just compound. Oh, that's that's bonuses. That's, this that's is the, the bonuses, bonuses <laughs> and the prize money. <laughs> from <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> Yes, <laughs> so it is. So if you look at, say, Lionel Messi on his 127 million, now this is, I don't have this, I don't know whether it is or doesn't, but that's made up of you 92 million a year. Well, you're doing research, salary you should know that. Salary and bonuses, and then it's additional $35 million a year in Roosters. This this should be playing for the Roosters. Do <laughs> 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 you see what happened to them overnight too? Barca. Well, it's on my Messi, next list. Me mate. Messi's, uh, well, sorry. No, go for it. Slepping over Cotto's. No, go for it, though. Ronaldo, okay. 109 million. Neymar Jr., 105 million. Paul Pogba, 33 million. So there's a big gap between the top three and the rest. Yeah. So well, and um, Willan only got 10 million from him. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he's, he's a little further down the list. He's obviously got a, a manager. Akel, uh, Champions League, so you're right. Bayern Munich scored eight times against Barcelona last night. What can you tell us about that? I can tell you that Messi called the lollies out of the, out of the, out the, the toys out of the cot afterwards. Yeah. Not, not a happy camper. What happened? Uh, Barca got rolled. The quarterfinals of the Champions League, they got beaten eight two, which is one of the first know, highest scores. Of first time since nineteen forty six. Yeah, wow. But Barcelona have been in trouble for a long time now, haven't they? There's financial issues within the club. Yeah, Players yeah, that wanted to leave yeah. the club. Um, there's all sorts of stuff going on behind the scenes. I think. Yeah, that's those Spanish super clubs, I think. Yeah. Real Madrid have got problems with Gareth Bale at the moment. It was a, a major story in the Athletics during the week. So. I, a runner, um, Noah Lyles, broke the 200-metre world record by some distance, or some time, I guess. Uh, then it transpired that he'd only actually ran 185 metres. So he walked the other 15? No. Is that good? No, no. He'd actually lined up in the wrong lane. So the lane, uh, it must be the inside lane, I'm assuming, I didn't actually watch it, but it would have been 15 metres shorter at the, at the finish line. So you know how they start staggered? Yep. He must have started in the wrong lane and finished 15 metres shorter than everyone else. 
and uh, what's his name? Uh, former middle distance runner and commentator Steve Cram. Is that yep, him? Yep, yep, the previous uh, guy. He was absolutely going off about how amazing this run was. He beat them by so much. I was very, very annoyed at having realised. So I see the footage of that. So oh, there's sure. three runners in three different tracks and the gun goes at the same time. And they all obviously get in time. And, yeah, he's, he was like a second in whatever and flung it at the ground. But surely at that time, I don't know how they actually run that. How the officials do it. <laughs> it sounds a bit exactly. like Mario Kart to me. Some of these things, like it's a bit like when they had the, the World Championship Dart and had the guys actually playing from home. Now, who's to say that they're actually... Because you can't... <laughs> all you could see was the, the no footage of the, bo- of the board <laughs> and where the dart was landing. <laughs> where was the guy standing <laughs> when he was throwing the dart? Exactly. They might have had a robot doing <laughs> it yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, You've got to give it to him to try and get you some of sports off the ground. <laughs> you wonder where these uh, where all the officials are when these things happen. Uh, How does this happen? Doesn't matter. It's about the broadcasting. So the topic... <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. So the top well, that's right. The topic today is about um, our key topic. I guess we want to discuss is about culture and how important it is to team success. So before we start, I just want to um, explain to you what culture is described as. There's multiple different versions of culture, but this is just a simple version. A culture is simply the collection of beliefs on which people build their behaviour. If we think about the Brisbane Broncos in the last week... I, I thought it was where you had a lot of bacteria in a Petri dish. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's called the... The Broncos, sorry. No, that's, <laughs> no, that's <laughs> called the Ruby Princess. <laughs> but, um, no, no, but if you think about the Broncos' um, behaviour in this last week, the players are um, going to the pub, the coaches are going to different pubs, you've got uh, various different things happening all over the place and just lack of real leadership going on amongst the group by by all accounts. That would describe a dysfunctional culture in my mind. Well, it's a culture. Like that's uh, I've done a bit of research too, and the, the, the definition I have is the ideas, customs and social behaviour of a particular people or society. Yeah. So they've got a culture. Is it that's a culture that helps yeah. win football games or yeah, not yeah, is the question. The culture is the best thing I think of any of that. Would you say, you know, you're a Collingwood supporter. Mm-hmm. I would think you've got a pretty good culture at that club from an external person looking in. Yeah, fans, fans or playing group. Uh, <laughs> no, de- definitely not fans, <laughs> but you seem to have a strong, very professional media backing um, as the coach. Yep. Kendall Breezy is probably the... He's had very little blemishes, I'll tell you that. Yeah, so, you know, if you look at the two leaders there, they got girls looking at me I'm, just, I'm just hoping Henrietta Lumbumba is not listening uh, to this. Uh, if you're saying yeah. Collingwood have got a good culture. I was trying yeah. From an external looking <laughs> in. I was trying to remember his name, but you got me. Yeah. Um, yeah, Eddie's a, a little bit out there as a president. But from an external, they were they had a reasonable professional outlook on themselves. It doesn't always... It's, it's, it's very important, I think, culture for success. It doesn't always happen either. Doesn't guarantee. It doesn't guarantee. You've still got to have the talent. But, yeah, but can you have it? Can, can you, you have success without it? I would say no. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah I, I, I was thinking about, um, I, I reflected upon when I was coaching a team, I was coaching as, uh, as an assistant with the 
Australian junior coach. And we had this basketball team, right? And I remember going into practice, you know, the start of the season, we were all had, you know, a really good team, we thought. We're going to do well, we'll make the finals, we'll see what happens, right? In the third highest level in Australia. And when, about a week or a few days out from our first game, coach rings me and we get together and have coffee and he says, mate, you're in trouble. I thought we'd had a great pre-season, we'd really got ready. And he says, you're in trouble. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I just, I just got this feeling. How many games did we win that year? One. He was dead set right. The culture, like we had this misbelief about how our ability belief was not true, wasn't authentic. And I think, you know, when you go, when you, you guys have played in teams as well, remember back when you, ha- when you play in a team, when you go and enter a season, you really feel whether or not you're competitive or not. And when you feel competitive, you generally that culture builds right there. It starts building. It's not perfect, but it starts building that belief well, that you can go on and win the season. Who creates the culture? I think the players do, but the leadership goes into that. Yeah, I think it's a bit more. I, I, I believe the leaders create the culture. Mm-hmm. The players believe in it or not. It yeah. Because it can disappear pretty quickly. I yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah, the leaders put the unit in place, and that, that's that's pretty important. Yeah, exactly. you, you look at the good cultures um, <coughs> in, in, in both ARL and uh, AFL and NRL, they've had the good coaches in place. Hawthorne, up until recently, Geelong's can't have their culture, and that's and then they've gone for a while, and that's probably why they've got better performances. And Fagan's done that in Brisbane, and since then over in the West Coast, the strong leaders have come in and changed it and said, "Let's embrace it." Here's how it's going to be. That's really interesting. I, 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 I touched on that one. I go back to Collingwood, and I remember when Lowcroft was there, and he won a flag with that group. But there was a core group of players called the Brat Pack that you know they Bang were Swan group, the Swan, yeah, Sean. Sean. Yeah. So the rebellious type. Yeah, rebellious type. And um, Malthouse, could, he could work with those players. And he, he let them get away with probably more than what they did or would. But he got the best out of them and the no, team got the best though. out of them. Bit like, bit like West Coast in the Ben Cousins years. Where how many premierships come out of those windows? Yeah, well, they got one and one. one but they were a superb team. Yeah. So, were they successful? Yeah, it's uh, it's that's interesting because then it, then Buckley came. So he was he was the opposite. So Malthouse was there for one more year after that Buckley came in, and the first thing he did was he put a line through a few of those guys and said, "Are you sure you're out?" Because he he wouldn't put up with the the rat pack mentality um, because it wasn't it was it was team that there was some guys here that they were allowed to get away with certain things that the group wasn't um, and his style was and he was nearly gone as Collingwood coach who he ended up having hurt three or four years into his tenure because they were not making the A's and they you know couldn't attract the good players and it it seemed to be a real problem now he's turned it but it it took a while to turn it so 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 I think you've still got a few rat packers there haven't they not as many I don't think who would be one? Jaden Stevenson. 
Bagoey. Not, not Stevenson, Bagoe, which is who I think of. From the, from the outside that, of looking yeah. in, he looks like the type yeah, of guy yeah, that yeah. would. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it Elliot? Is that what I'm thinking? Yeah. Anyway. But th- but with Buckley, was was his rules just around the team? Because I reckon for culture, it actually got to go broader than that. It's about who you are as a person, what you want to do with your life, what ethics have you got in place, and that's what actually creates... Trent Robinson with the Roosters, um, only because I watched them closely, but that seems to be his way of going about it, saying, you know what, there's there's more to this than just winning. But by taking that all in and having the talent you've got available, you you give yourself a chance to win. So I think he's typically described then the common purpose, setting those goals that everybody and values that everyone adheres to, set by the leadership, as you've both mentioned. And I, but I think there's two different types of cultures. And I, the Roosters seem to have this different culture at the moment, yep. and that's a growth culture. It's a growth in the individual that helps the team. Whereas the other ones, say like um, maybe maybe uh, a Bellamy, is all performance-driven, like yep. really Madge, um, what's his name, uh, at West Maguire. Tigers? Maguire. Michael Maguire. Yeah. It's all driven. It's hard. And that's um, also Collingwood, what was his name you just mentioned? No, see, no, no, another Malta. See, I, I reckon yeah, he's Buckley, a performance-driven. Buckley guy. actually yeah. really moved ahead as a coach when he went away from that intense. Like he had his rules and his standards, but instead of driving so hard, understanding that he actually had different people within the group, they all needed to have the, the right ethics, right mindset, right personalities, but they didn't all have to be. The same. You can't have all robots, no. and that's yeah. that's pretty critical. And it's, I think I sent you guys a text last night when it was uh, on cricket. It was raining at the cricket over in England, and holding some academic son, and they were just having a little chat about some of this sort of stuff. To be honest, um, and holding talked about um, Clive Wood, and how they all looked up to him, and he was driven. Um, if they were out having a beer. 11.30 curfew and and Clive walked behind everyone that and that's a he was a real leader that's a huge thing because the West Indies were notoriously hard to bring hard together because they're a different nation yeah yeah can you imagine what like the, they would have attracted in the you know in those nightclubs and all that as well yeah you know the interest <laughs> they would have got yeah and, and Appenden was and, and Mooney talked also that was a leadership one and Mooney Appenden talked about even in the current environment um, uh, what's the rookie called Ross not really performing with the bat or whatever, but they say he is such a critical part of the change room for the England cricket team that they keep him in there, even though he may not be performing at his best. He's the glue. He's he's the guy that just drills the team together. Yeah. So it, it was interesting because you do need those people. Tim Payne could be that same guy. Well, Payne. that's. I was just about to say it's interesting cricket comes up because you want to talk sporting cultures and talk about. What let Australia get to being sandpaper in their pants? Yeah. Mm. So what sort of culture? Because that culture being allowed and actually encouraged to continue for a long time, um, mental disintegration, play hard, you know, do what you like on the field as long as you're winning. And they were picked off. And mm. I suspect the Broncos actually have suffered from this too 
there. They've had special exemptions. There's come, like the tax thing the other day, oh yeah. turn off CCTV so yeah, our van get yeah. in. So they could get away with so stuff. So this is this. Or they're winning. This is the next step that I think around culture and successful teams is an agreed behavioural framework. So what does it look like for us to be successful and what do we all agree and buy into? If we allow those things to happen, you know, the players don't, you know, the old, when you're running, you know, around the, the track and they always, someone's always cutting that corner, someone's always cutting the corner. Starting 15. 15 metres. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. That's your head start. Or, you know, like the All Blacks, apparently, where they, uh, every man is responsible for the changing. They pick up their own stuff, they do their own yep. washing and they do all this sort of stuff. Yep. So you, you know, what's that saying Kelly talked about last week? You, you are what you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, the, the standard you set is the standard that you impact. Live by. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so... Um, so, yeah, I think if you set those behaviours and expectations up up front and then you all agree to it and then you live by them and you um, you do not waver across and them, and then, then you'll be better. Yeah, your senior players imbue it into your guys coming in, your draftees or your mm. – and they just – I think Bellamy, uh, uh, the Storm, what he does is when new players arrive, the first couple of weeks they work as trades – um, assistants, and they and they um, they just work their butt off for a couple of weeks. So when they come to practice for the first time with the storm, he says to them, "Now you've experienced what it's like to work in the real world. Do you want to play rugby league, or would you prefer to do that?" Mm. And he sets the standard early. Then they go to a boot camp at an army camp or something, and it's yeah. all dogged. Well, yeah. the, the the biggest change Kirk um, sent Robertson on in 2013. They, he was. Ways back now, they reckon the biggest change to the Roosters culture was subtlety and yeah, apparently. And really but he come out of the All Black culture. Yeah, yeah. 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 that's it's interesting that um, that um, background cricket and mentioning that how I wonder how that sandpaper where, where how did that get ingrained into the culture of Australian cricket? And it's it's obviously a, a win at all costs. Yeah. It goes obviously across the line and that. That win at all cost was really goes back to Steve Waugh was the type of guy that was a win at all cost type guy. Border not so much because he had to turn the. I was going to say was I, was terrible, I was about to say Border, and, but and he yeah. had to, he had to turn the team. Border was General, uh, not lose at all costs. No, yeah. um, Taylor probably not so much as determined as what a Steve Waugh. I was going to say Palmer is probably the sort of guy you could see setting a good culture. Yes, saying. This is what we're going to do. No, we won't do that. Well, he set the platform, I think, for then the success. You know, he was yeah. involved in the success early on, but the success really ramped up with Steve Waugh. Yeah. That win at all costs and, you know, um, not not declaring or not, not you know, just follow on so and all that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a huge Steve Waugh fan. Yeah, I was no, going to say. No time, for, no time yeah. for warning. But you think about Taylor. He's on 3.34 overnight for Pakistan. One more run to the leading run Lovely. score for Australia ever. Yeah. And he says, no. Nah. I think that Steve Wall would have done that. <laughs> he would have yeah, kept... Uh, ask Borny about <laughs> <laughs> who, who wins <laughs> in runouts when Steve Wall's involved. <laughs> but uh, but Taylor said, no, nah, yeah. the thing for the the best thing for the team is we declare now. And he declared. And yeah. he said, yeah, 
<laughs> I'm not going to say it's Gordon Bradman. I'm pretty <laughs> happy with that. So it also comes down to strong relationships within that group so that you can have, uh, from the leadership down or in the group, have frank conversations, genuine conversations about how you're performing as a group, as an individual, whatever. Uh, and I, always, I think that also goes back as far as the CEO. If you think about a CEO at um, Paul White at the Broncos, he's under so much scrutiny and criticism at the moment about his decision about appointing um, Seabold Seabold, the coach, but it's really about, well, you should be addressing these issues, not about his um, tenure, but really about the issues that have been happening right back when and addressing those early, so it doesn't become a problem at the back end of the year. I'm not so sure that's happened, and I think that's probably what needs to be addressed as well. So it's difference between group interest and self-interest. Yeah, yeah did, the, did the players not want Seabold there because... He was at South, and at South, and it was there a culture problem at South. He was only in, in charge South for one year. One year. They had a very strong lineup. Yeah, you know, really strong leadership. The listener Sam Burgess, he actually, I'm not going to say he criticised him, but he does it discreetly and says, you know, he came to a group that was already well established. We had a great leadership. We had a great group. He just had to guide us around the park. He didn't really need to do that much for us. But what he did was, Seabold did, if you remember back back then, he had a contract with South. He turned his back on that to chase the money at Broncos. And that's, I reckon, going to bite him in the back And you compare that. You were talking about um, Robinson earlier and culture setting, and it's the leaders. Robinson's not known enough. The most sought-after coach in the league at the moment, and there's four clubs now without Ford. Bulldog's got one now, but... There's a lot of coaching jobs going. Everyone's after Craig Fitzgibbon, Jason Evans. Yeah. And Fitzgibbon's on a handshake deal said no. Ryle's the son with the uh, English rugby. Has he? Yeah. Okay, but Fitzgibbon is saying no. I won't take... And yeah, he's St. George... My pick is he'll be at the Dragons now. Yeah, but he, he's not going till the end no. of his contract. I think you'll find he'll go this year. End of this year. Well, Robertson... He's already come out Surely and said he'd be he's ready. On the shoulder and oh, say Robbo, Robert, Robbo yeah. came out and said last week he's ready he's to go. If he gave Robert, him his yeah. blessing, so I think he's, he's, going. he's going. Yeah, um, unless um, unless the ne- or unless the next move is Robertson into Ooh, the CEO role in 2022 and Fitzgibbon into the head head role at the Crips. Yeah. So you think about you know in the workplace, uh, you guys are both senior roles. How difficult is it to sometimes to have, well, maybe not for you guys, but for others, to have genuine pref- uh, conversations about their performance when you, you know, if you're feeling confident about your, s- your position and you know, secure about your position, it's easy to have that conversation. Absolutely. But when you're not so sure, it becomes quite difficult. So you think about a f- team environment, you're on the fringe, you're going in and out of first grade, but you think that, you know, let's just pick a name, uh, Terry Lane's not playing that well. A well-known starter for the Bulldogs, and you keep, you know, you keep thinking in your mind, well, he's not performing. But here I am in reserve grade. You start building up these beliefs that that person's not performing or not training hard enough, and all of a sudden you get another mate talk to you about it, and all of a sudden you get this culture that little subcultures. Those subcultures, if they keep going down that path, start white-handing basically the coaches down. This I think is describing to me what's happening at the Broncos got these little pockets probably that are 
not happy about the what's happened with whatever. Not even not even just him, but like when Darius Boyd uh, come out the other day, oh, he's been fined because he hasn't been able to play fullback. And so he quit. He, well, him quitting the leadership, leadership group yeah. said straight away, "You've got to play better." That's that's mm. that's probably the key. I think for um, football teams, I know I know businesses, you've got to have a tight knit, tight knit management team, leadership, leadership team, team, whatever yeah. you want to call yep. it. Yep. Because uh, a CEO, he can't be here, there, and everywhere every day. Like he's he he yeah. gives the direction and you've got to set the standard. But you've got to have the general there who's got to go mm. beyond what you've got to do today. And, and support you. It's yeah. got to be really tight knit team and a lot of trust and all those things come into play. Yeah, yeah, Washington yeah. doesn't win the war of independence if he hasn't got good generals. Yeah. yeah. So I think you know we've we've really described. Not only a, a good workplace, but also a good culture for teams um, in a sporting sense. And um, any other thoughts on that, Troy? No, uh, culture goes right across the board for all. Yep. So th- the only other thing I'll say is most people um, kno- need to know three things that I believe in a sporting sense or a team or workplace. What's their role? How am I going? And what's my future? If any of those are not answered, they generally try and figure it out for themselves. And if they don't um, know the answer, they'll go and sort it from other people around them. That's where your subconscious, negative subconscious is. Yeah, it's interesting because just before we leave this, it it takes, in a sporting, often in a a business, it can be, there's a lot more people getting buy-in, what discipline you can take is often decided by the availability of placement labour <laughs> or whatever. So it can be harder mm, yeah, in a business. But a lot more factors, yeah. In a, it's interesting, in a sporting environment, can you change that culture quickly? Yeah. Uh, it'd be Penrith uh, from where they were at the start of last year to where they are now. Yeah, it'd be interesting. To s- well, we don't know from outside. Okay. We'd only know from the inside. So they would have had to get leadership change or you know, at the top. Probably going to be Trent Healy. Well, Trent Barrett joined them. That's one. In is Pope. No, that's my point. Trent Barrett joined. It it can happen quickly in in sporting teams. You have to make change, though. If you've yeah, if you've got strong leadership come in, yeah, Cleary, Barrett. um, So Barrett this week, Trent Barrett this week has cleared the decks from the Bulldogs. None of the existing coaching staff will get involved. Smart move. It's been criticised, but it absolutely the best. Best thing. They haven't won for it's normally what it's normal anyway, but they haven't won for a few years, so why would you do it? You know, like it's no use hanging on to this um, family club that um, pretty much supports losing. At the end of the day, the sponsors will get off you know pretty quickly. He's gonna bring in a team where he's got trust in straight Mm -hmm. away because he wants to turn it reasonably quickly. He doesn't he doesn't want to wait. Where's that team coming from? The team of coaches. Yeah, Coach Barrett. Oh, you don't know. (laughs) <laughs> He's already recruiting now. Yeah, no, <laughs> worry about well that. It's interesting that Penrith have let him stay, but um, but th- so it can change pretty quickly with with good leadership at the top, and obviously you need leadership in your team yeah. to make sure that they buy in. As you were saying before, with your leadership group in your way, how quickly can you lose it? Oh, pretty quickly. Real quick, yeah. <laughs> You only got to lose three or four in a, in a row. One Adelaide camp in an off-season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Potentially, you're yeah. right. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But it's certainly three or four games. 
you could lose it in the season. Yeah, I don't. You, you wouldn't lose it in games because again, winning or losing doesn't define your culture. Your culture it will doesn't help your performance driven though. If your culture will help you get there, but if you don't have it, it's almost you just have to have absolutely brilliant talent you, and just talent equalisation happen. It's not likely to happen, but you shouldn't lose your culture just because you've lost. The, like Titans at the moment, I reckon they're horrible sense of they're in a great culture. They're, well, they're still losing, the but they're, they're, they're on, on the way. They're, they're, they're losing, you're but they're going to go the through. Every team's going to yeah. go through some rough spells. Mm. You can't yep. just because you've got a winning culture, doesn't mean you're going to win every yeah, game. Yeah, and yeah, you might lose three, four, yeah. five games in a row, and it's the good, it's the good team environments like your Sydney Swans, where they lose the first five or six yeah. games of the year and still make the finals because they still believe. Yeah. Well, this is the thing that I was saying about the two different cultures. You've got a performance-driven one and a growth one. So if you've got a performance-driven culture and you lose three or four games in a row, the culture is to get rid of the losing, to focus on winning. So guess what that creates? A negative that belief. That self-interest because yeah. all of a sudden everyone in that culture is going, Who's the bugger, bugger everyone me. else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whereas well, a growth strategy would be, hey, look, we're not going well, but pick out the, the positive things yep. and we've just got to keep focusing on those and start yeah. building and improving on our weaknesses or whatever. Yeah, and, and if, if we do let our standards down somewhere, you address them and, you know, it's you not just, just all forward. positive. Yeah, so yeah. it's an interesting yeah. dynamic and it's not one definitely works, but I think uh, it was a great topic today, guys. Mm. And uh, so we're going to uh, go to our wager. Before we do, though, I want an update on how we went last week. Well, I think Axel forgot to put it on again. <laughs> <laughs> we wish that was true, wouldn't we? So for those who may not have heard, last week we had a... Axel, you tell us. Who did we have money on and I how much? I can't even remember, but I'll tell oh you. I, 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 I'm never I'm trusting St Kilda I think it was St Kilda, Kilda I believe. 50 on St Kilda to beat who, Graham Kelly? Um, Don't remember. Pussycats, I think it was. Who? <laughs> We have got a loser of Pussycats. We've got a loser. Oh, that's right, Geelong. Losing who are now flying. <laughs> <laughs> losing culture. Oh, played them in the form. <laughs> so now yeah, we're going to wager for yeah. this week, and it's Axel's turn. So who have we got, Axel? We've got a losing culture. We've got a losing culture. Chairman Cotton, I think we should be blaming for this. I'm the only one that's won. Axel and I have got a subculture going here. We've got you in our sights. For the fans out there, I'm the only one that's had a win in our weekly wager. So until Still this week, so Axel's super going to go fifty on Super Sunday. Super Sunday, yeah. Who is it? Going a four leg multi. Four leg multi. <laughs> right, going just to make it even harder. The Bulldogs over Adelaide into yeah. St Kilda over Essendon, Telstra. <laughs> into West Coast over Hawthorne. <laughs> into Richmond over Gold Coast. I've got a oh couple. Yeah, I don't mind those. Couple of problems. <laughs> well, I can't cheer against Hawthorne. <laughs> <laughs> and B, I can't ring my bank manager to get more money to <laughs> <laughs> contribute to this fund. <laughs> no, no, it's going to get us back up the ladder very quickly. Oh, turn yeah, what's the return? Turn it into a winning culture. What's the possible return? That's $2.52. Oh, is that all? Yeah, well, Bulldogs are $1.13. Saints are $1.42. West Coast are $1.70. <laughs> and Richmond $1.29. You may as well just add a bet on wins. <laughs> 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 All right, gents. Well, that's been great. Um, that's our second episode. I think it went pretty well. Thanks again. See you next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to Three Grams in a Mic podcast. Don't forget to connect with them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>